Hello and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea Pearson. And I'm Joe Lalo. And as regular listeners know, none of us have done more than dabble in selling our books directly from our own websites. So we brought a great guest on for you guys today who's done a lot of this and is making good money doing so. Katie Cross writes contemporary romance and fantasy, and she earns more than half her income from selling her books direct. Welcome to the show, Katie. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I love talking about direct sales, so this can be really fun. Awesome. We're going to pick your brain to uh, give the readers or the readers, our listeners, the answers that we are like, uh, maybe you should check with somebody else for that information. Um, But to get started, could you tell us what your road to publishing was like and why you started selling direct? Yeah. So I was actually a pediatric nurse uh, before I was an author. I did cardiac and then peds and I married the military. My husband was in the army and we bebopped around for like years. We were moving every six months for a while and it was really hard to work as a nurse. So I found myself in Southern Alabama with no job, no kids. I was newlywed. I had nothing to really fill my time with. So I went back to writing, which I had always done since first grade. And I wrote my first book, got some early readers, just started kind of putting it out there, looking around to see what I want to do with it. If I even wanted to publish it, I had really awesome feedback from the beginning. And so I just decided to try self-publishing so I published it. It's Miss Mabel's School for Girls. I kind of threw it out into the world and like loved it. It was it was so fun. I mean, I loved writing and being able to just kind of do my own thing was awesome. So I was working, I was able to get a job as a home health nurse when we moved to North Carolina. So I would work night shifts taking care of kids at home and they sleep all night. You're just kind of monitoring to make sure they're breathing. And so I would just write more and more and more. So I just pushed some more books out and I realized this is way better than staying up all night watching kids sleep. So eventually when we moved to Colorado, I decided to go for it full time. And I think at that point I had four or five books. Uh, I was really lucky. My husband could support us like full financially. So I, I started writing for a few months and I got pregnant and had my kids and I've just been writing ever since. That was almost seven or eight years ago now. Awesome. And did you start out doing exclusive with Amazon or were you always wide? So I started out wide, but uh, KDP Select really kind of started breaking out around that time. I can't remember when it officially launched, but it was new then. And you got really awesome results (laughs) then because it was so new and they didn't invest so many millions of dollars every month in it. So I, I, I would dabble with it with my books, but I can only remember once when I had two books that I was in Kindle um, unlimited with my fantasy. And then I, I went wide and every now and then I would put like my romance or something in and out. But for the most part, my fantasy has almost always been wide. And what made you decide, I'm just going to start a real business and <laughs> do it, sell them direct from my website. Um, it was a, I, I mean, it was more like a series or a cascade of decisions that happened. Right. So it, it wasn't like one day I was like, screw Amazon. I'm going to do this myself. It was more a growing frustration with the the structure of Amazon. So I did, and not just Amazon, just publishing. I I did a lot of uh, work with like, uh, what am I thinking? Mindset work with like other entrepreneurs. So I would specifically learn about being an entrepreneur outside of the publishing world because I noticed that, you know, I would talk to other authors, but none of us knew what we were doing. And like one of us would be a leader and everyone would just follow that one person, but they didn't know what they were doing either. 
So I started looking outside our like world into what other like businesses were doing. And I was noticing they had like control over product and different sales and more flexibility and they could just throw out sales and also stuff that I didn't have that same ability to do. And they also had a lot more money than I did. I had 20 awesome novels, summer bestsellers, had great reviews, and it just seemed like it was going nowhere. I couldn't believe how little I was making. I didn't know, like, are my books not good? Are people lying to me? Like, why aren't they selling? Like, my ads aren't really doing that great. So I um, just wanted to actually make a business. I didn't want to just be an author. I wanted to run my own business and be an entrepreneur and be an author. So I started attending like business conferences uh, for like women entrepreneurs and other people. And I started noticing those little details that you don't really see in self-publishing. I would go and ask people about their industry so I could learn what we weren't doing in ours and then try it in ours to see like if we could pull it across direct sales with something like controlling product, finding market and delivering was something we didn't do. So one day I was on Facebook, I found an ad for a guy that was my mentor for a while that helped me with direct sales. And so I just started talking to him. I was like, I just want control of my company and my income. Like I want to be able to replicate and scale my income and have it be predictable month to month and not be like slogging so hard at this, trying to be an entrepreneur, but not knowing what to do. So I got my direct sales system, like the initial thing set up. And then I just started playing with it. And for the last two, almost two and a half years, it's just been like a big sandbox of how can I do this different and how can I do this better and what is or isn't working in terms of like the actual direct sales process. So I had someone help me set up the basics and then I just ran with it and made it my own to what it is today. That's excellent. It's it's funny how like, again, like, I mean, we do it on the show, everyone looks at you sort of take it, throw a big cast, a big net to what everyone is doing and try to pick and choose what the things are best. But it seems like the real innovation always happens when you look outside the industry you're in and seeing just more, more generalized, uh, you know, sales, like a product is a product and sales techniques of different things. I, there's no reason why they shouldn't work for, for books as well. So like, it's a really interesting and, and I'm glad that you did that and I'm looking forward to learning from it. But before we get into the, 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 uh, the meat of the episode, I just wanted to take a moment to, to point out like and I checked out your site and uh, you have a very strong clear cover design like really I feel very effective and and uh, do you have a cover designer or is that your handiwork oh my gosh I wish I could claim that aren't those covers gorgeous They're fantastic <laughs> so Jenny Zamanik, uh she runs seedlings online she actually does my covers and she has done all of those covers that you see there's a couple and I'll explain why there's a couple that are a single color background with one font those are ones I made <laughs> they're stupid simple um the only books on my website that she hasn't designed are those ones that I obviously made in Canva we have worked together I think almost the entire eight years there's one book cover I did without her I found her and and I had to redo that one and we've done all of them together ever since she has the strongest sense of book cover and fantasy design I've almost ever seen. So when she does a cover, I just say, here's the title, here's the series, do whatever you want. And she usually just sends me a comp and I'm like, perfect, let's finalize. And she's like, you have changes? I'm like, nope, you've nailed it. Like, I don't have any changes ever. She probably appreciates that you kind of <laughs> trust her to know what she's doing. I, I'm sure some uh, designers are sort of like, oh, these authors, <laughs> they don't know their own genre or anything. <laughs> yep. 
So what is your website setup like, like kind of on the back end and how do you handle like collecting payment and delivery? Yeah. So this is a really scary hurdle for a lot of people, right? Like it's the big question of how do I actually make this happen? And then how do I deliver the product? So I use Shopify. There are other places like WooCommerce or like some places that integrate with WordPress and blah, blah, blah. I would say ignore all of those and go straight to Shopify. They're like... The plan I've been on for two and a half years and I've never had a problem with is $29 a month. They don't take a cut of your sales. The only cut that comes out of your sales is credit card processing fees. And right now it's 2.9% plus 30 cents a transaction. So it's actually pretty similar to PayPal, what you would find there. Um, so Shopify is really easy. In terms of the back end, I just upload my book cover to Shopify. And then I have Shopify linked to my email service provider, which is Active Campaign. So if anyone out there is looking to do direct sales, always check to see if your email service provider integrates with your platform. I was just talking to another author that does direct sales yesterday. And she said that they use WooCommerce and she hates it. And she just, it's not super native. I've also used Samcart. There's a couple others, but across the board, Shopify has been my favorite. And then I upload the cover. I do the price. I put in a SKU and then I connect all to Active Campaign. So, and then that is also connected to BookFunnel. So, BookFunnel is how I deliver all the ebooks and also audiobooks. BookFunnel has a fantastic audiobook um, part of their app, also. And for paperbacks, I use Lulu Express. So, there's an app within Shopify you install for free and then you just like, go through the step-by-step -step process they have to upload your paperback cover, your interior file, you like link it with a product, you put the price and then it's up there ready to go. And so it's a print on demand. So if someone orders a paperback for me, I only see the order. I never see anything about shipping or fulfillment. It's printed, it's shipped, all that. So Lulu, some people are curious how that works. Basically what happens is when someone orders a paperback, Lulu charges me however much it costs them to print and ship the book. So I was looking at it yesterday. One of my books for Lulu to print and ship was like $8.50 and I sold it for $15. So I have um, almost a like $8 margin there and I don't ever have to do anything with it. Sometimes I'll like charge 20 bucks and say it's free shipping, but I just charged extra so that it actually covers the shipping. So I still have the same margin. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the back end of nitty gritty. This is how the books are delivered in terms of payment collection. Shopify handles all that. You can enable different payment providers like PayPal, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Amazon Pay. I mean, there's like 5,000 now, right? They're like, they're like streaming services. Like everyone is now letting you pay through them. Um, the only thing is I just like choose which ones I want to enable. I enable all of them except PayPal because they just increased their prices and they're they're like always robbing people blind. So I disabled PayPal. I don't take payments from PayPal, but I take from everywhere else. And um, it's all covered that way. The only thing, and this might be a question later, but the only thing that we track on my end with sales is sales tax in like certain in certain in uh, certain states. So according to my accountant, which everyone would need to check with their own tax accountant on this, according to my tax accountant. Uh, we pay sales tax in the states that we have business presence, like a business presence in. So if you are a foreign or a domestic company in a business, like I have a company in Idaho, 
I'm closing one in Colorado because I just moved to Montana and we're opening one here, I would have to pay sales tax in all three of those states because it's the same company name, just different, registered in different states after you meet like a certain sales limit. So if you're selling like tens of thousands of book a month, books a month, which I have, we would just track what's, what, ta- what states of these three are selling enough that we need to pay the sales tax. And then we just, my bookkeeper would file it quarterly. And then at the end of the year, we just make sure that we paid that specific state in sales tax. Uh, according to my tax accountant, everyone might do this differently. We don't worry about international tax or, or any of that other stuff. Shopify will also convert currency, right? So there's like a button at the top right corner. If you're in US dollars and someone's in Australia, they can go to the top right corner and change it to AUD and then it shows it in AUD. All right, excellent information. And now I know why I, there's a site I order from that uses Shopify that took PayPal off and they put like Coinbase on there. I'm like, I'm not going to pay for this with Bitcoin. <laughs> what the heck? But it's probably cheaper. <laughs> it's probably less a smaller transaction or processing fee. There was a, that was a big like deal with some other authors that do direct sales. I was talking to like, you can't stop PayPal. Like so many people pay through PayPal. And I was like, I am like tired of PayPal and the way they play. So I was like, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to turn it off for two months and just see what happens. And if my sales drop, but all things stay the same, then, and people start complaining, then we'll do something. And I didn't see any change in sales, any complaints. I've had like two complaints in six or seven months that they wish they had PayPal, but they actually just, we helped them find a different way and it was fine. So that's good. Yeah. It's easier now that most of the computers will store your credit card information. So um, I am curious, you mentioned the ebooks, paperbacks, and audiobooks. Are you doing any like merchandise or like higher price items that are exclusive to your site or anything like that? I do have merchandise, but I don't run it through my store. So I actually have a separate company that hosts my merchandise. They're actually my cousins, but they run a merchandising store. They have a merchant account at Amazon, so they have a lot of power in this world. So I can just punt some designs to them. They'll throw them on t-shirts, update my page on their store, and then I'll just sell it to people through them. And then they just cut me some as it comes over through the year, like but the percentage that we agreed on. Um, I know some authors, I think, I think there might be some apps where you can you can do merchandise directly from your store. You just upload the designs and you can kind of pick what ones you want there. I'm not really sure how all that works. Merchandise across the board has been the like lowest, like profitable item out there. Like people just really don't buy that much merchandise. The ones you do are rock stars, but merchandise I've noticed is, has just been a better incentive than actual product. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something that I've noticed is is merchandise is the kind of thing that lots of people will ask for. If you talk to a lot of artists in particular, you'll, they'll be like, oh, that's a fantastic thing. You should sell a print, you should sell a T-shirt, and then they'll make the prints and T-shirts, and no one buys them, not even the one who asked for it. Like, it's one of those where it's really fun to have, but uh, doesn't move as much uh, in certain industries as you would expect. Um, so, okay, naturally, you still have books on Amazon. And also naturally, those books are not exclusive to Amazon since we're talking to you about selling direct. Uh, do you like do you sell wide? Are you everywhere? I am. Yeah. So I have a direct logins to Amazon, draft to digital, Kobo, and Google Play. And then any of those, I don't have a direct login. Draft to digital does a rest. So and then my store and book funnel. So we have, I think, six to seven different retail sites that we manage if we're like updating a book or something like that. I am 
going exclusive to to Amazon with my romance series. So I have like some chiclet and contemporary romance series, mostly because I don't plan on writing in that genre anymore. Like I'm, I'm just gonna, I tried it out. It's really fun to write romance, but I don't, I, I just didn't love the market and I, I really love fantasy. So I've decided to throw into fantasy. So that will be fully direct. There'll be a lot of exclusive stuff on my story. You can't get anywhere else. But I'll just have my romance and chiclet in Kindle or in Amazon where it will do better anyway. And then it's less for me to actually have to manage on the drug sales side. Do you put any like effort into keeping sales going wide or like are you just there because that's another place people can purchase and you put most of your effort on on the, the direct? I would say 80% of my marketing effort is is geared toward my store like so katiecrossbooks.com and katiecrossromance.com are my two big uh websites i will do like the kobo stuff i'll do free books bargain like you know i'll do those kinds of marketing efforts i've tried facebook ads to individual sites with audience selection and that kind of stuff but i just never like have been able to really move the other sites in a big way so i don't i don't put a lot of my time in it most of my time goes into my website So I'm going to speak for all of the stressed and overwhelmed moms out there. (laughs) How on earth did you manage to do all this as a, an overwhelmed mom? Seriously. So I have a three-year-old and a (laughs) six-year-old so and three dogs and we live in the mountains. Um, So it's, it's baby steps, right? So I just have a list. I, I literally have a list. It's really long, but I just set a timer and I have 20 minutes a day. And I just prioritize it and I just hit the first one until it's done. And I go down when the timer's off, I'm done for the day and I go back to writing, you know, so I just organize it and then I have low expectations. This year, 2022 will be a different year for me because I'm scaling my team back. So in 2020, my direct sales system was running and set up by January. I started at the end of 2019, was ready and running 2020, COVID hit March and all these advertisers pulled out of Facebook. So I just couldn't throw money at Facebook fast enough, like in 2020, right? Especially Q2 into Q3. I was doing $4,000 a day in Facebook ads and making a profit on it every day because advertisers had pulled out and people were stuck at home and they wanted escape. They wanted fantasy. They wanted books. So I, you know, I was just throwing money at them crazy. I can't do that like kind of stuff, like run all of this myself. So I scaled up my team. So I hired, I trained, I created standard operating procedures. And then I've just perfected my team as the time goes and it changes. Like 2021 was extremely different from 2022. The markets changed. Apple kneecapped Facebook. There's a lot that went on. So I scaled down my team and then we're about to scale down my team again in just a couple of weeks. So it's just me and my VA that have worked together for like six years. So team organization, low expectations, a lot of caffeine, um, so much chocolate. Like it's just, it's an imperfect work. Like you just kind of do what you can and then accept it and, and you just keep going. So when you started doing all of this, then in like 2019, 2020, you had a little tiny baby. I mean, <laughs> so how long did it take you from when you first started it to when it was fully up and running then? That's a good question. So Once I kind of got that baseline set up with my mentor and I was like, all right, I'm ready to just roll this out and see what happens to it. It was, it was probably like six to seven months before I started really being like, oh, this, like, this is a lot of potential. And that's when COVID hit. 
So I, I'm hesitant to say it took six months because the truth is Q2 to Q3 of 2020 was unprecedented. We had a global pandemic. Like there's no way to mimic that situation short of like an asteroid hitting Earth again or something, right? Like that was like such an anomaly of a year that I don't actually know what it would have been without COVID because I had this huge burst. I rose to the occasion. My team and I scaled. We were doing like six figure month, like all that kind of stuff. But then it died down after that and it's never been that simple or easy. So I think for the people listening to this now, it's a little bit of a scrap for probably the first six to 12 months. Like you're trying to train people to do something uncomfortable, which is something they don't normally do. Like when you have people that are just buying on Kindle, now they have to get a different app or they have to sideload it onto their Kindle and it's not super easy the way it is with Kindle. You're training them to do that and and there's some slippage there, right? So it can just take a while for people to trust you and see that you're serious. Um, and then it just depends on like what kind of marketing you're pouring into it. Paid advertising is one route, but right now paid advertising totally sucks and is unreliable because of what happened with Facebook. So I'm actually moving away from paid advertising to come up with a different model. So it, it just moves and changes and, you know, you just kind of like figure it out as it go. All right. So we're going to get you under contract that when you figure out what that other paid option <laughs> is, you'll tell it to us first. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be sharing that one because that, <laughs> I was going to take a while to, to really suss out. The thing I want to emphasize here, though, is my story in direct sales was phenomenal, right? I mean, we did half a million dollars in 2022 when previously we were doing less than six figures. So we had literally explosive growth, but that's not that's not common. Like we're scaling back to 200,000 this year and next year, because I'm going to stop paid advertising and, and we're trying a totally different business model, you know, I'll probably be closer to 150. Like I'll probably still hit six figures, but nothing like it was. And that's just the market game, right? Like if you can look at that as an entrepreneur, then you're not going to say, oh, my direct sales is failing. You're going to say, oh, the market is shifting. I need to shift with it. And that's where my background in other industries and entrepreneurism has kind of saved me because a lot of people I think start direct sales and be like that never works. I was like, look at the market you're trying to sell into. Like, did you train your people? Like, did you do all these things? And it's just too hard for some people. So they walk away from it. Okay. So my real question, those were all because I was like, how is she doing this? Um, so I just, I want to make this as applicable to as many of our listeners as possible. And we have a lot of listeners who are all in on KU. Do you think that there is a way to make KU work as part of a selling strategy with uh, direct sales? And of course, obviously staying within Amazon's, you know, rules, like not having the same book in the same different place, but do you think that there's a way to make it work to sell direct and have KU work for an author? Definitely. But you're just going to have to be creative, right? So uh, the thing about a KU is you don't want to be pulling books in and out, in and out, in and out, because you're going to mess up the algorithm. You're going to make things more difficult. So what I would say is maybe do a pre-order period on your website, right? Don't put it exclusive right away on pre-order. Pre-order on your website, just throw it out there and say, hey, I'm going to sell it myself and I'm going to sell it at a discount because I'll pre-order sell my books at like three or four ninety nine. I think four ninety nine. My fantasy books like if you buy it from me as a pre-order, it's at four ninety nine. After launch, it'll be five ninety nine, and on the retailers, it's seven or nine ninety nine. So then people are like, oh, that's like half off. I'm going to buy it from her, and you get them trained, and then they know they're getting it early. So sometimes I'll say, if you pre-order for me, you get it a week early or a month early or however early. Everyone else is going to get it on the retailers later. 
So then once you put it live on the retailers, throw it in KU, but then you had like a month period to start training that list, right? And show them, oh, this is actually easy. This supports this person. I really like this route. And then you can have paperbacks and audiobooks on there, unless your audiobook is exclusive with ACX. If it's not exclusive, throw your audiobooks on Shopify because BookFunnel is such an easy and amazing audiobook uh, player. But you could put your paperbacks. Like there's no reason you can't have paperbacks and then incentivize them, right? Say, hey, these are $5 cheaper than on Amazon. Or um, maybe have like a different cover. You know, like there's so many ways that you could do it and sort of incorporate KU slowly and then just really look at your data. Like what's happening? Are people buying? Why aren't they buying? Like ask your audience. Did you not want to pre-order from here? Why is that? It would be hard. Romance is hard, direct sales, right? Um, because KU is just so easy like, and so cheap. Like, why would you be buying these? But it's not impossible. I have another author friend that's doing, I think, over a quarter of a million dollars. Like, she's doing two to $300,000 a year in clean Christian romance, direct sales, not like with Amazon. So it's possible, but it is a little bit harder Outside of that, I think it it gets a little bit easier to pull your audience in because there's not genre expectations around deliverability and stuff. Um, anyway, so that's where you want to just get creative with it and try it out and test it and sell whatever you can on your website just so people get used to you doing it. I've definitely found that readers will pay pay more or go to a special place to get something early. Like I've done it too. I've paid like Bain to get the ARCs like $15, you know, on their side to get them three months early. And it's funny because you'll see them on Facebook and they'll be kind of like smug. Like I already read that. <laughs> and then the other people are like, but it's not out yet on Amazon. And they're like, I know. <laughs> so it, I think with a series, especially it's easier because they really want that next installment. Well, and I think the the important thing here for your listeners to think about is is don't look at price points, look at added value. So instead of saying, you know, how can I get them to my website instead of Amazon, you should be asking the question, what would they not say no to? Or would they like that's a bad double negative, but like what are what can't they walk away from that I can offer on my store? So that can help incentivize people to kind of come off KU and support you on your website because you add value instead of maybe a different price point. Because I don't actually think price points are that crazy important when you're talking about like a dollar or two or three. So I think my readers get excited to pre-order at $4.99, but frankly, they would have pre-ordered at $5.99 or $7.99 because they love the books. They love being part of my world and, and they just want to get it early. They just want to be part of this community. But also they get like added value because they get it early right? Or maybe I throw in a short story. I've done launches where it's like, or products where I'm like, hey, you can the network series collection, these four books. I threw in the fifth book. You can't get this on Amazon. And they're like, I get an extra book. And so they pay it and it's even a higher price point. So it actually covered that. So if you can find ways to add value, that will incentivize them off Amazon so you can start testing the waters. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, and I first, not first, but I stumbled across you this fall with an interview with Joe Solari on his YouTube channel. And I'll mm -hmm. link to that in the show notes so people can check that out too. Because you were also talking about selling direct there. And you guys talked about Facebook advertising a bit. And even though it sounds that you might try to move away from this, I'm kind of curious what your funnel is. Were you sending them to get like a free book to suck them in or just trying to get that buy the $5 book right off the bat? So I've actually done both. The most effective is always first book free. 
I do not have the first book free on the retailers. They have to pay. I'll do like $5.99 for the first book and $7.99 for the rest of the books after. But the only way they could get that first book free is either through my website. Sometimes I'll put the price as zero dollars or through a landing page. So so here's like the sequence of events to become like a new reader of mine. Someone's like doom scrolling Facebook. They see my ad. They click on it. That takes them to a landing page. The landing page like tells them a little more information like, hey, you can get the first book free. Just give me your like, tell me where to send it. And so they'll put in their email and then it uh, it loads a thank you page right after. So as soon as they subscribe, another page pops up and I say, hey, I've got an awesome deal for you. Um, you can get all five books for $14.99 or $20 like, or $19.99 right now. Like this is your only chance. I'm offering it now because you like because you wanted the first book free. I thought I'd just give you this other really cool deal. And that that evolves monthly, right? Those landing pages look different all the time because I'm always A-B testing them. And, you know, then people will buy. People do buy it. A lot of people are like, no one's going to buy that. But they do. They buy it. And then after that, they're on my email list. And then I have automations where they go through a series of emails that I've A-B tested, I think, all the way to like J or P or something like that. So that we're optimizing getting them to open those emails and start reading those books. Um, If they don't buy, they go to a separate email list and they get a second chance, like three days later after they've had a chance to like read the first book. I also tried that funnel on Pinterest. So I did, I mean, I've done hundreds of thousands of dollars of Facebook ads, like a sad amount of money in Facebook ads the past couple of years. And I decided to like try Pinterest, exact same funnel, totally crashed and bombed. Uh, It's just different audiences, different expectations. The social media sites are totally different. Um, But Facebook seemed to be the one that actually worked the most. Instagram has some success. I don't have like a super strong presence there. But that whole marketing funnel from landing page to thank you page to deliveries is the basic structure. And are the current challenges with Facebook kind of a combination of more advertisers coming back in and then the Apple privacy? You're not able to like track people as well to get the right people? Yeah. So what I saw like 20, early 2020, Q1 of 2020, things were profitable. Like I was spending a couple thousand and I like I'd spend 2000 to make seven in March, I spent, I think, three or 4,000 and I made 13,000 and then COVID hit and it just exploded. So we had this big burst through Q2 and then Q3, we started to see a drop. You could like see it happening in July. And then um, Q3 to Q4, just saw this like post COVID tank where people were going back to work. Money was a bigger issue now, all that kind of stuff started happening. Then in January, 2021, iOS announced their like data privacy policy. So that actually like took out all of Facebook's visibilities, visibility in all of these devices, like over 50% of the world is on an Apple device, right? And with the new update, they were automatically opted out of Facebook tracking any information. That information that Facebook tracked is what made ads so profitable there. It's because Facebook knew who was buying what, when, and where. So they could say, well, they bought this, this, and this at this time on this day, we're going to serve them this other ad because it's similar. So it worked really well. So as a consumer, like, yay, data privacy. As an advertiser, oh no, <laughs> like we lost visibility. Like even though we didn't see that data, we didn't know who Facebook was going to show it to. Now Facebook, it's like it's like shooting in the dark. You have no idea where your ad's going to land. Like audience almost doesn't matter anymore. And the cost is just rising. So companies with big budgets are are doing okay. 
and ads are, you know, you can kind of fudge your way through, but it's not, it's not like it was before that where you can put an ad out and have a realistic expectation of how many people would buy. It's like the wild, wild west right now. And so many authors and like other industries too, like my friends that are outside publishing are saying the exact same thing. They've just been kneecapped by the privacy that's resulted from that. And then like Q4 is always rough. This was a weird Q4, right? We had um, shipping delays. So that pushed market spending early. You know, there's just a lot of weird things that's happened since COVID that makes everything really unpredictable. It is always very strange to be on both sides of the, you know, producer consumer thing, because there's so many things that come along. We're like, yes, you're so happy that they exist. Uh, and then, but they almost invariably make the other side of you unhappy and vice versa. It's like, it's, it, it gives you unique insight into the, 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 the buyer's mind when you are the seller as well. But uh, we've been talking uh, a little bit about the exclusives and, and how exclusives can be useful. Um, I guess since my initial question here has sort of been answered, I'll just say, how do you plan uh, exclusives for, for direct sale? And like, are they a part of your writing pro like from when you're plotting the story forward or uh, do you sort of, once, once you have your full products available, do you start making selections about what should be exclusive and how to use them? Yeah, that's, that's a, a good question. So I, as I'm writing a novel, and like stuff comes up and I'll say, oh, I can't put that scene in or I'd love to explore this, but it's not like in the trajectory of the plot. Then I'm like, oh, we can make that a short story and like add it onto the launch. So my last launch in September, I was launching a new series, but it was a continuation of a character. So it was like a second series, same character. So it was a really big launch because readers had been asking for this character to come back. So as a surprise, I wrote basically like two short stories. And at the end of the book, I just said, hey, do you want to know what actually happened? I wrote the short story. You can order it here. And I priced it at like $2.99 or $1.99. And it was funny because I didn't tell anyone. On launch day, I could all of a sudden I started like, I think the day of and the day after I started to see that short story start picking up in sales. And I could almost see the read through time that people had like, as as like sales were peaking from launch, I could see this other short story coming through. And that was really a test for me because what I wanted to do was increase average order value through an exclusive thing because I didn't put that book anywhere else. It was just my store. I wanted to pull in new subscribers and increase the money people are spending on my website. So I said, I'm going to launch this book at $4.99, but I actually want like $6.99 to be how much I make the average order value to be higher. So I put that short story out there. So instead of people paying five bucks, now they're paying seven and my launch is all of a sudden that much more profitable because I had this like little addition come in. I do that exclusive thing in a lot of ways. So I have these audiobooks that are going to be coming out. We're going to be doing like an audiobook short story a month for a couple months at the beginning of this year that they won't be able to buy anywhere else. It's not going to be on Findaway or ACX. It's only on my website. So last night, um, I'm in my closet because I've turned this into a recording booth. Last night, I like recorded these notes and I sent them to my narrators and I said, put these at the end of these books. And the note basically says, if you want this other story, I've got it. It's on my website. Just go here. That way, when they buy the new book, they become a subscriber. They can't get that story anywhere else. And then I train them to buy right from me. And then I have all these better prices and all these other things that aren't available on the retailers either. So that like 
exclusive, you can't get this anywhere else, draws more people in you might not have captured before because they're big fans. And that allows you, especially if you're on Amazon or Audible, and you don't know who's buying your book, that at least gives you email addresses so that you can get a hold of those people again to say, hey, I have this new thing when they may not have found out before. Um, other things that I've done exclusively, like merchandise, they can't get anywhere but for my store. Also collections. I have a six book romance collection that I haven't put on any retailers for the last, it's been available for over six months and I just sell it through my website. And at the back of my eBooks, I say, if you want this whole collection, you can grab it here. It's at my store. I explain it that way. So I think exclusives for me are marketing strategies to build trust, uh, get new, get new people in your audience really passively for the most part, because they're just reading it somewhere else and coming in and then to test what people are excited to buy. Cause I can say like I had a 10 book collection, like here's 10 of my fantasy novels for 30 bucks and no one bought it. But when I offered four novels for 20 bucks, people were just buying it like crazy. It was like 10 was too much. So I tested eight and six and four was like the magic number for my audience. So the exclusive collections and bundles and deals gives you that ability. And then the other exclusive thing I do is sales, right? So it's like, hey, like 24-hour flash sale, you can get 50% off everything. Or this book is available for Black Friday. I was like, this is a short story collection. It will only be available this weekend. And then it's coming back off. And that's what I did. Sold high, pulled it back off. And then it'll come back on at another totally random date when it's like, we need to get some sales going. Let's just throw this back out there. <laughs> and then people buy and I'll take it back off. The Disney vault theory of selling things. Yeah. Uh, also, just one one more thing before I hand you over to Andrea. You mentioned subscribers. I assume you're talking about subscribers to your mailing list, or do you have a subscription service that you also do through your direct sales? Um, the subscription list is coming. Yeah, the subscription service is is something that uh, I'm I'm ideating out with a couple people, and we're trying to like prove audience for. Um, I, I basically want to create my own Patreon on my website, right? That's that's what I want to do. So right now we're in like the early stages of proving market and flushing that out. And that'll be uh, something we're doing later this year. But I mean, basically just to get on my email list. So when people purchase from me, they go into an automation and then I have emails that say like, hey, welcome, or like, do you want to be here? Or these are the kind of emails you can get. So they have an opportunity to opt out but then I can put them into whatever list they bought from. So if they bought me an audiobook, then they can go into this audiobook only list and I send all my audiobook deals to them, that kind of deal. Okay, so I'm going to represent the overwhelmed and stressed audience again. <laughs> um, not, not experienced authors, like, you know, those of us who've been around for a while, because I think that we, you know, people who have a lot of books out, they can listen to this and be like, this doesn't apply to me, or this is how I can apply this to my life. But to somebody who's new, because I know we have a lot of authors that are just starting out, how would this, how would your process or your system be applied to a new author? Um, and what approach would you suggest they take? I think actually new authors are in a better position than established authors because established authors have a trained audience elsewhere. So established authors, we're trying to say, hey, stop doing what we've been doing and come do this other thing. And that's not going to go as well as someone that starts on your website with you. And this is how we do it. Like if you can get an ad or a podcast or a Pinterest pin or an Instagram reel or whatever you get out there that draws someone into your book and you can really grab them and they're interested enough, 
they're going to take it from your website because they think that's the only way they can get it. So they want to get it. So you can actually start fresh with this direct sales model and I think have even more success because you're not having to retrain people. Um, but I would honestly stick to the the same sorts of questions like or the same sorts of like things like you you want to find an app like a source of traffic get them onto like some sort of a landing page or a page on your website where they can enter their address deliver the book to them and then follow up over email because the email is the king right paid advertising is not as important as your email their email on your list so you can talk to them again even if they unsubscribe right at least you had them at one time and you kind of like have some idea of where people are actually coming at you from versus just sending them to Amazon. You don't really know like what's sticking around and working. Okay. So a lot of the time, new authors, the way they get started is because of the Amazon algorithms, um, you know, and so it, I can see it being hard for them to gain traction selling direct. So I, what, how would you advise them to jump that hurdle? The getting the, especially with Facebook, not being as as liable as liable reliable (laughs) (laughs) uh you mean like coming from amazon into direct sales like um like saying you know if they're just building from their i mean i guess they would still have their books up on amazon right and so you would just train them from there to go to to the website i mean saying the newer authors beginning authors because usually your audience grows as you release more books on amazon yeah so I'm like all my books still go on all the retailers, right? Like they, they launched to all the retailers and to my website, they'll launch to my website first or cheaper or whatever. But for these new authors that are trying to launch a lot so they can build up their backlist and kind of get that visibility and grow that list, you can train them from the retailers. So have your books on the retailers and at the back of the book, tell them, I sell these books from my website at a cheaper cost and you can get it right here. So then they at least even know like it's in their brain, like, oh, I can get it somewhere else or something. Uh, That's one way you could just kind of start doing it and then have definitely have a spot for them to enter your list because on your list, you can have an established automation or campaign that basically says, hey, thanks so much for subscribing. We're happy to have you, whatever you're going to say, but then say, by the way, all my books are available for cheaper over here. And you can like support authors directly if you want to say that. I know some authors take different tacks, right? And I've tried different tacks like anti-Amazon or support authors. Look how cute my kids are. You know, that kind of stuff to see what people will like buy from, you know, pick your poison. But that, that that whole deal of just slowly training them, getting their email, talking to them about it through the email, and then eventually getting them onto your website is going to be standard, whether you're a new author like a mid-list offer, author, big author, like wherever you are on the spectrum, the the standards are the same because you have to train those people. You got to get them onto your website. You got to start teaching them how to, how to work with you and why it's better that they do. Now, uh, my initial question here was, do you ever do price promos for your direct sales? And we've mentioned that you do. So uh, I guess the, the secondary question I have here is, we're talking about selling things cheaper on your website, doing price promos exclusively on your website. Uh, how does Amazon and price matching, like, is that, what happens with that? I've never seen them price match. Um, I also don't really go to Amazon that much. I, I don't, I don't ever know my book rankings. I don't know my author rankings. I know what my sales are doing, but I don't look at my product pages. I'll update that cover copy as we test into better ones, like that kind of stuff. But I never look and check just because I'm more focused on my website than what's happening over there. But 
in the times that I've like gone to check out my product page or do something else, I've never seen it price matched to my store. Um, I don't, I don't advocate for this, but I had a friend that had his book in KU and thought he pulled it out, but he didn't. And then he was selling it from his Shopify store for years. And he, that whole time he never knew it was in KU and he was selling it. So I don't like, I still think you should stick to Amazon's terms of services, right? Like I don't condone that, but I don't know that they have as direct a link to these individual stores as they do to like Nook and Scribd and all the other ones. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, I would never take the gamble, but if they are not scraping individual author sites for prices, and again, that would be an enormous endeavor on their side to do so, then they also presumably aren't even aware that the book is being sold there. So an unscrupulous sort could try to skirt the rules, uh, but don't do this. Not, not yeah. advice. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I don't know that they would, I don't know they would ever know. And what Amazon doesn't know doesn't hurt Amazon, right? <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> so, okay. So my next question is, what does a typical book launch look like for you? Um, and then, I mean, you've already answered. You basically, you, you, you'll put a book up as a pre-order directly from you, all of that. But yeah, just tell us what a book launch looks for you. Like, yeah. looks like for you. <laughs> One of the great things about direct sales is you don't like get punished if you don't meet a launch deadline or you want to like move it around. Right. So sometimes I won't, I won't put anything on pre-order for the retailers for a while because maybe the date's squirrely, but I'll put pre-orders up on my website a year or two in advance. Like, Hey, this series is coming out. We're not quite sure when, but you can pre-order it now and and people will like they'll pre-order. So I get the pre-order up as soon as I have a cover and a basic description. And then I have a launch team I have a separate one for romance and separate one for fantasy. They apply through Google form to be part of it. We're not like super picky. I just make them apply because it makes them do extra work. So I get rid of some of the freebie seekers. Um, and then I let them know, like I will discount the book's price to 99 cents. And I will tell you about that on Amazon. Like when it's ready, we won't tell anyone else. It'll be ready for 36 hours. We'll change it back to full price, but you'll get this discounted price. And then as soon as they like send us a receipt or a picture of them having bought it on Amazon, we then send them like the free, the, the not free, it's not free because they bought it. We'll send them the advanced copy of the book. They read it anywhere from two to four weeks ahead of time. And then on launch day, my team and I are focused on taking care of the launch team and the launch team just blows it out of the water for us. Some launches are better than others. Um, some launch teams are better than others. Uh, they kind of play off my vibe. I've noticed if I'm like, my kids are throwing up, like I had surgery, all this stuff is going on. We're just going to push the book out there. Then their response is a little lower. But if it, if I'm like showing up and it's like a party and we're giving them discounts, we're giving swag and merchandise, then I'll see their posts like pop up all over social media. They're sharing it. They're telling people about it. And then of course I'll run Facebook ads, like paid advertising, Pinterest ads, to specific audiences, like I'll upload my email list and pick like people off my pixel that have purchased or visited my website and we'll target them, send ads to them um, and, and just kind of launch the book that way. And then we follow up with the launch team for like, hey, how can we improve? What do you want to do better next time? And we keep this Facebook launch team group open and we talk to them and kind of they're like special to us. So we treat them special through the year and then they're always ready to like launch the next book with us. That's pretty awesome. Okay. Technical question. How do you handle pre-orders when you don't have a retailer that delivers it? Oh, so easy. So I put a book up for pre-order and I, I make up a SKU like in Shopify. So I'll just use the 
initials of the book. So like Miss Mabel School for Girls is MMSFG. That's the SKU. And I go to my email service provider, Active Campaign, and I say, whenever a product is purchased with this SKU, send this email and add this tag, like the title of the MMSFG pre-order as a tag. They get an email that says, thank you so much for your pre-order. You will receive your book on this day. And then before we launch it, I schedule an email that is delivered to anyone with that specific tag. And I send three separate ones over the course of 36 hours. So they make sure they get it. And that's how they get the book. Awesome. We've got just a few questions. We wanted to ask you some like maybe mistakes you've made or lessons learned, but I wanted to point out to people that it sounds like you really, like you had success before and um, you already have some readers, I assume, but it does sound like you've just really relied on the advertising and learning how to bring people to your site. Not like you had this huge mailing list already of people and you could just say, Hey, we're doing the next one on my site guys. And boom, 20,000 sales. So it sounds like anyone, I mean, any author, if they want to, be gung-ho and learn this stuff could totally just build their own business on their site. So I started, I think, with less than 10,000 subscribers. And then I've culled the list quite a bit. I think we're somewhere near 75 right now. But I think if you take all the ones that I've deleted out and said they're not they're not doing anything, let's just pull them out. It's probably closer to like 150,000 over the course of the last like two years or so. So yeah, I didn't I didn't like have this established and people just rushed to it. I was very much like a newbie and, and having to figure out how to do it. Awesome. This has been great information, by the way. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. Hopefully people are getting a lot out of it. I think my last question is going to be when it comes to selling direct, what are some mistakes you've made along the way? Oh man. Um, one of them is not scheduling the delivery email. So people pre-order a book and I forgot to schedule the email to deliver their ebook. That was always fun. Um, there's lots of like little mistakes I made along the way, like spent too much in advertising on Pinterest as a test, like just a lot of errors. That's like, whew, that, that one kind of hurt. I honestly think for your, like for your audience specifically, I want to point this I don't necessarily want to say a mistake, but I want to steer them away from it so that it doesn't become a, a perpetrating mistake is my reliance, my sole reliance on paid advertising, I think has lit this year in 2021. I was like, well, crap, <laughs> that like business model sort of sucks, doesn't it? So like right around August, when I realized I couldn't really pull paid advertising back into the same power position I had in my company before, I started to say, we're hunting for a new business model. We're going to do this another way. So the mistake I want your listeners to learn from is to vary your audience source from the beginning. So paid advertising is fantastic. And I, I will still use paid advertising for the rest of my career. It's a necessary. Having paid advertising as your sole source of new readers is a dangerous game. Because when like big, big biz kneecaps each other and their fight to be at the top, it's us that really feels it, right? And that was 2021 was a lot of people figuring that out. So from the beginning, I would find, you know, network with other authors, like go to conferences as an author, not writers conferences, but like fan conferences and meet your readers like in person, like do virtual book clubs so that and you and pull them onto your list. Like do anything you can that isn't just paid advertising to do this direct sales process so that you're not like me and saying, we did 500,000 last year. We're going to be like to do 200,000 this year, you know, or you're seeing these huge like windfalls and gaps because you were solely reliant on one audience source. 
So um, a lot of authors, uh, I would say probably most authors who've, who've got any sort of uh, history uh, already have a website and they probably already have uh, email addresses being collected for newsletter. Uh, should, if you start selling direct, should you be selling direct from a website built from the ground up for that purpose? Is it the kind of thing you can incorporate into an existing website? Um, I mean, yeah, like if you already has, have an existing website, you could, you could probably find a way to do it that way. Like I think WooCommerce has some pretty easy integrations with WordPress, that kind of thing. I would honestly, I coming as a mom and like I'm running a company and I'm actually producing the products for a company. So I'm wearing two really big hats. I would say do what's easiest for you to get started. Do what's easiest and reliable for your reader. So as long as it's easy for you, but actually is easy for them too, I would start there and just start like practicing, start seeing what happens, what comes of it, what have you learned, what did you do wrong that you can fix? And then you can say, you know what, I think I like this other concept better. This didn't really work. I'm going to go to this other store and build it a little bigger. One of the reasons I love Shopify so much is you could literally have the new store, your eBooks on it and payment set up in less than probably an hour or two. If you had like a handful of eBooks, if we've got some new authors that are thinking about starting this, Shopify is $30 a month. It's affordable at any price point. And then you can just throw those eBooks up, get it set up on BookFunnel, your email provider. I think within two hours, really, you could have everything across email service provider, book funnel, Shopify, and payments set up and ready to test. It's just, it doesn't have to be that big because a lot of people going into direct sales are like, this is a freaking mountain. Like, how am I supposed to climb this? Like, this is too big. It's too overwhelming, but it's easier than you think if you're like going to the right places. I have like 3 million questions for you still. (laughs) We're not done, Lindsay. We've got like another hour with Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps we could invite her back for another one day here we'll do it like in september and then we'll do a follow-up on how not using paid advertising is going (laughs) so um just just really really quick i'm gonna sneak one in have you tried bookbub ads at all and yeah have they worked because that's a totally different platform than Mm -hmm. facebook bookbub loved me until they didn't and for i i got every bookbub deal i submitted for and i have not been able to get a single one in years like years. I had my title manager when, when I had um, a title manager as a VA, uh, she would apply every single month. She had it as a recurring thing on her schedule. She would very, very, we could not for the love get a book bub, no matter what we tried. Even when our sales were like, we're doing $20,000 plus on Amazon, we still couldn't get book bubs. <laughs> so it's one of those, just like Facebook, you never know when the company is going to change what they do and you don't control it. And then if that's your if that's your thing, like you're like, oh, I just do book bubs. And then all of a sudden you can't, you're like, what do you know? <laughs> right? Like, so I think book bub is a, an awesome tool and I love it when it works. Um, have you tried their, uh, what the paid, the click pay click thingy ones or do those have to go to a retailer website? I haven't used them You can too much. send them direct to your own website. So can you check I, that out if you haven't, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, you couldn't. I have a friend that loves BookBub. She sees pretty steady, predictable growth with it. I tried it. I didn't love it. I'm nervous about the audience. I think the audience is strong because they're book lovers, but they're book lovers seeking a deal. And sometimes when you have an audience that only wants the free and the 99 cent, they're not going to be purchasers. However, I haven't tried it on my direct sales platform. Like I haven't sent BookBub to my direct sales platform because that wasn't allowed for a while. Um, But it is on my radar in the future as I kind of tweak my business model through the year. 
but then it wouldn't be a secret thing that you guys try out. So, <laughs> well, I mean, nothing's like super secret anymore. <laughs> right? direct, direct sales was secret for like 2020. And now authors and like author groups are being like, there's like these authors doing this. What's that? I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> like people like authors trying to talk about it and like find it, and, which is great. I think authors need to own their business in the way that direct sales allows you to. But, you know, in, in publishing, it's it gets incestuous. Like it's just... <laughs> That's a that's a word I haven't heard on our podcast before. <laughs> in in good and bad ways, I should say. If that if right, is incestuous bad, ever good? Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my last question, my last official question that was officially handed to you before we started. Uh, how do you handle site like when your site goes down and it's out of your control? Like, what sorts of things can you do to mitigate that? Um, I've never had my Shopify store go down. Uh, outside my control. Facebook would do that fairly off. My ads would just turn off or whatever, but I haven't had that problem on Shopify yet. And if it does happen, then it'll come back up. Like it'll be fine. And people email me and I'll tell them to be patient and it'll come back up and it will. Awesome. Well, do you have any advice for authors that have a huge backlist? Like maybe just start with a few things if they want to do it. I would say uh, get your highest selling books and, or make new, make new content, right? Write new books and sell it to your rock stars first. Like if you have a hundred thousand people, but there are like 10,000 that always buy what you put out, like find those people through your email service provider, pitch the idea to them and query, ask them like, what do you think about this? This is why I'm doing it and be honest. Like I need to control my company. Big business is trying to elbow us out. And then I would sell to those people and then just kind of step it down. Like a process of time, like with your content, try that out. And then if it's successful and it's going well, start offering the pre-orders, offer it early on your website, start doing that kind of stuff to just start easing that backlist in and teaching them about it. All right. Great advice. And thank you so much for joining us for this hour. Where can people find you? I think we mentioned it, but let them know your websites and <laughs> everything. www.katiecrossbooks.com is my fantasy and katiecrossromance.com is my romance. However, if you, if any of your listeners want to like see this whole thing happen, uh, it can be helpful to kind of go through the stages and see it laid out. Go to welcome.kcrosswriting, K-C-R-O-S-S-W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com slash welcome. That really long link is the link. It's the landing page that I put into ads. So you can hit my landing page you can subscribe and then unsubscribe right after. So then you can see my current thank you page, like, hey, here's my deal. And then you can get my emails and just see, well, how does Katie actually run this through? What emails is she sending? You can kind of get a feel for it. My emails, my landing pages, they change all the time, but you can see my flavor of the week. It'll give you a better like visibility and grip on what I do. So you're telling people to spy on you. <laughs> Well, they're going to anyway. Like I have, <laughs> I have authors email me all the time about like, Hey, I've been following you. And I do it to authors. There are so many authors I follow specifically to see what their headlines are, like their subject lines, what their sales language is, and then how they're talking to the readers. I do it all the time. I do get emails, replies to my newsletters from other authors that are like in horror or something. And they're like, well, you should write in different genres. I might actually read one of your books. I'm like, why are you on my newsletter? Get off my newsletter. <laughs> 
pay for you. <laughs> but I'll, I'll grab that link from you. I didn't quite get it, but I will get it after the show and then put it in the show notes so people can, uh, if they missed it, get it. And um, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening. And you can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. Thanks, Katie. See y'all later. So long, everybody.